0: Hi, everybody. I'm Taylor Onion, and this is Power the Journey. We are powered by Gameplan, with partners such as the NFL, NBA, Pac-12, and over 300 athletic organizations, Gameplan is the only all-in-one platform for total athlete development on and off the field. Gameplan is also the single largest community of student athletes seeking employment opportunities in the world. So whether you're an organization looking to create comprehensive e-learning education or an employer looking for your next star employee, ask yourself, did I Gameplan it? For more information, visit GamePlan at WeAreGamePlan.com. That's WeAreGamePlan.com. All right. As I mentioned, I'm your host, Taylor Onion, and we are talking to folks from all facets of athletics, from former athletes to administrators and beyond. Today's guest is the Assistant AD for Student Athlete Engagement at Syracuse. He has served in several capacities at Syracuse dating back to 2013, Academic Coordinator, Student Athlete Engagement Coordinator. Uh, In 2017, he received the John Maxwell Transformational Leadership Top 100 Award, which is presented to leaders across all industries who are making a significant impact in their community. 2018, named Advisor of the Year for his contributions to SAC. He's also been named Greater Syracuse's 40 Under 40 list. Uh, Prior to Syracuse, spent some time at Ball State University uh, and, and a few other places as well. He is the mastermind between purpose design. We know him as Mark Trumbo. Welcome. How are you?
1: Doing good. Thanks for that introduction. Hopefully yeah. people are still going to listen after that.
0: <laughs> I think they would be super compelled to listen after that. <laughs> but so I I obviously kind of skimmed through, um, highlighted, you know, some of the some of the awards to date, but would love to kind of have you talk about your journey.
1: Yeah, so I think my journey is just like everybody else in terms of it's very unique and I don't meet many people especially in our line of work that take very linear paths to the work itself very few at least that i've come across but i started my professional working life in the corporate world and finance uh, enjoyed it but understood pretty quickly that it was not my destiny to to live in the finance world uh, forever so i made a, a quick jump back into getting a master's degree and just happenstance, if I'm being really honest, I fell into student athlete services because I needed a GA job, and that was the one that came through. If I was a GA for the library, maybe I would be a librarian. I don't, I don't know. It's just kind of how things worked out. And I grew a fondness for the role. And a few years into that role, I, I learned about this magical field called student athlete development uh, through colleagues. Um, I think Michigan State was the first place I went to, and I met people up there and saw what they were doing and said, this is pretty cool. Uh, this is more than just checking Blackboard and emails and grades. Like, There's a whole other world of supporting athletes I didn't know about. And that really kick-started my campaign into learning more about it. I had a chance to go to a Life Skills Symposium back when the NCAA hosted it still. And I met another group of amazing people. Uh, I think I met... Amy Calabresa, and she's at Louisville, and I think she was at my table, she probably doesn't even remember that, but we were sitting there trying to design a career development program for seniors that was part of the workshops, and man, it was just awesome, just people just engaged and really wanted to make a difference and really help understand that what these degrees are used for, and that led me to Syracuse. Uh, Through again through networking and the M4A, which is an organization I'm super proud of and have been involved with for a long time, and had a chance to build the program from scratch at Syracuse, and it's evolved dozens of times since we've even started it full time. Really, just it's still only a six-year-old program. It's not that old. It's very infant compared to a lot of programs, especially in our conference. We dabbled into it starting in 2013, but we didn't officially get this thing rocking until 2016. And yeah, it's been really fantastic. I'm really appreciative of the autonomy and growth that we have here and how we continue to try to find different ways of doing things. I think it's really hard to be a copycat league when it comes to the programming that you do. There might be similarities in terms of what you offer, but how you go about it, is should be in my mind very different based on the climate of your school and what's important and what's a priority so that's the part I think really keeps me engaged and uh, committed to the work is consistently finding new ways to teach tried and true principles that we all know are true and and make a difference in some lives and young people
0: so the S project uh I read in your bio I'm assuming that's kind of the the more developed student athlete engagement program that that y'all created that launched in 2016. So tell me a little bit about that. What are, you know, are there pillars um or what are kind of some main focuses of that specific program?
1: Yeah, so we again it it changed a bunch of times already. Uh I think I I pulled out some old documents back when we first started and the pillars were financial education, healthy relationships, personal development, and career development. Those are our original four. And now we have adopted um, Dr. Navarro, Dr. Ruben, they're the program pyramid. So I switched over to that about three years ago, and we now operate under a program pyramid and It's hard to maybe talk through, but I'll do my best to do it. I'm very visual. My learner, I'm sure many people listening are are very visual. So if you need to see it, just go to our website (laughs) and you'll see it there. But imagine the pyramid. So the foundational bottom there is your uh, freshman experience, your first year experience for our student athletes, and then you build up. So we have personal development, social responsibility, leadership development, uh, professional readiness and professional development. Uh, the one thing that you may not stand out there that people are like, well, where's you know diversity, equity, and inclusion? Where does that fit in? So, what I want you all to envision now is you have the pyramid, but sitting behind the pyramid is is basically a circle, and within that is diversity, equity, inclusion, and what it tries to represent is that the triangle or the pyramid sits in the circle. So, what we try to do is weave DEI. Within everything, so one of the things that was really important to me when this this subject got really hot a few years ago was how do we make it that it's not just a bucket? How do we make it where it's not just one thing that we talk about, but it's present in everything that we do? There's inclusion in everything we do, and diversity in everything we do, equity in everything that we do. So that's what a way for us to visually commit and be accountable to whether it's leadership development, personal, professional. Uh, The leadership class that we launched this past year, SAC, Diversity Inclusion Student Athlete Board, like social, even our community service, all of these things. Now we try to think of the lens through DEI as well when we're putting together programming.
0: When we hosted uh, a webinar last, gosh, September, a lot of we were talking about the future of student ethnic development and a lot of um what I remember about that call, specific to some of the comments you made, was a focus on experiential learning. And you kind of mentioned uh this desire or or this maybe a trend or however you want to put it to get away from just the workshop, just the lecture of here's how you do a resume by, or, you know, here's financial education by, right? Like, so tell me about experiential learning and why you think that's so important. How do you weave it into what's going on at Syracuse? What what does that look like to you?
1: Yeah. So I think for experiential learning, I think the other way that you could try to frame it is real-time learning. So for me, it's just, they've grown up in systems where they learn by doing. And yeah, they get playbooks or scouting reports and they have skill development. They have meetings with coaches. But if you just put yourself in their shoes, a lot of their learning and development comes through doing, practicing. So why wouldn't we try to adopt a similar concept the way that we do things? So for example, our leadership class, why would I spend one hour talking about effective communication where I can design experiential learning components where they're trying to teach the principles through doing? So we're having three stations and, you know, we're trying to do communication through vocal, through verbal, through your body language, through non-verbals. We're teaching all those in different capacities instead of just throwing up a PowerPoint and reading through all the different ways that you can communicate with people. You know, fishbowl exercises, like just putting people in situations like you have to create almost like controlled chaos with them so they can really understand how it, transfers over to what they're doing and we try to do this especially a lot in our leadership classes one of the sticking points that we found over our first pilot year with our class is conflict management it's the number one thing that they struggle with they don't know you know we always talk about accountability holding teammates accountable but when it's actually time to really do that you know the first thing they think about is my friend like how do i hold my friend account? they don't necessarily think about as a teammate Or it's not honestly as black and white as how coaches see it, right? Just tell them to do it. That's how you do it. Well, I live with this person. So it's not so easy for me to just say it in practice and then be gone. (laughs) Like I have to now share a dinner table with them and a living room with them and a bathroom. Like it's crazy, but it's, it's a nuance that I think is really important for them to pick up. So we really try to have them work through all these situations in real time. Because I think it's really important to do it. So I think the resumes and like the foundational things are always going to have some sticking points that you always consistently want to be available. But once they get a basic knowledge of certain things, it's really important to push them to application. So don't make everything that you do knowledge based. But, you know, I saw this in one of my uh, master's professors. He posted this the other day about. You know, sometimes at some point you have to change your learning from gaining knowledge to how did he say it? It's basically how do you discover knowledge? Mm. That's really what he wants you to push yourself to. And I thought that was a great way to say like It's not about just being a sponge, but it's also being a way about seeking and acknowledging and finding and creating and developing. Like all of those key buzzwords that we love to throw around. How do we get our student athletes just on fire for things like that or to search for answers instead of walking into our offices or workshops and saying, feed me? Right. Right. How do I teach them that you can feed yourself?
0: Mm -hmm. You
1: just need to find out how to do those things.
0: That's the, the the age old saying, right? We don't know what we don't know. I think that's exactly what you just described. I had an athletic trainer in college who would talk about that. Like the more, you know, the less, you know, so like the more you find out about the world and the more, you know, about, you know, just kind of things in general, the less you find out that you really know about that specific, you know, those, those kind of bigger pockets of, of things. And that's stuck with me since college. And I think applies to, to what you just said as well. Do you think that, do you think that in terms of, Uh, conflict management and how student athletes handle that what we've seen from a generational standpoint obviously there are differences between gen z the kids who are coming up student athletes who are coming up now millennials who you know obviously that's that's my generation moved through and and uh, then coaches staff we've got gen x we've got some boomers mixed in there as well all these different kinds of of generations, and just like you said, coaches are more inclined to say, I, "I don't understand what you don't understand. Like, just tell tell them and and get it done." So I'm curious to know, from a communication standpoint, from a conflict management standpoint, do you think that, you know, do you think that that's something that's becoming more prevalent? So for a generation who's more on their phone, more on TikTok, scrolling through these things, do we think that that's hindering in-person communication and an ability to kind of talk through those things? Or do you think it's just a, you know, the the age group that they're in right now and just kind of a lack of experience in dealing with conflict management in the way that it's likely to present for the rest of their lives?
1: Yeah, great question. And I don't know if I'm an expert to answer this type of (laughs) question, to be honest with you. Probably spend a whole podcast just on this, but I think there's so many factors that go into that. I had a chance to sit down with a, with a alum of ours who's really specialized in, in working in young people development. And, you know, he mentioned to me, I practiced the other day with him and he said, this is, you know, this, the group that we have now, like this is the group that when they were in grade school, Sandy Hook happened. Hmm. And they've been constantly around conflict their whole lives. And they've seen it in uh, real time because of social media. Right. So it, there's the way that they can get fed information is so accessible and easy and it hasn't been a lot of like great news out there for them to just like, you know, take in. And so I think in a lot of ways, there are trust issues with adults. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to call a spade a spade. I think yep. they just see how the world operates around them whether it's athletics, whether it's politics, whether it's, man, a lot lot of different things they have, trust is hard to build with them. It's not just as an immediate, like, Oh, I'm a member of this team coach. I trust you unequivocally right off the bat. Like there's, you need time now to develop that trust with them that maybe wasn't as easy to gain 20 years ago. And I think this generation is willing to confront more issues than previously once. So when we say, like, oh, there's so much more conflict now. Yeah, it's because people speak up. Right. You know, 20 years ago was the workplace talking about LGBTQ issues. Were we talking about race? Were we talking about gender gaps? Were we talking about women leaders? No, we didn't talk about We just tiptoed around these things. So you can say that this generation brings more conflict, or we can just say they're opening their mouths and they want to address these things that are uncomfortable and. People who've been able to just say been able to traverse through the world without having to deal with it. Now they do. It's uncomfortable. And it's it's hard to have these conversations. But at the same time, there are a lot of easy outs, right? I can just fire off a tweet. I can just send a message out there. I can things are a little easier to kind of do it in that way. I can just throw my thoughts out into the world um, without really much. After hitting the send button. So I think that that can allude to some things. Um, but it, to me, I think it always comes back to there are generational norms, but I always will think of the family dynamic first, like how that person was raised. And you always have to think about the timeline of a person's life, especially a student athlete, right? At most, they will probably be on your campus for five years.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That is a blip in their life. Right. So if they're coming to your campus at 18 years old and they don't have a lot of framework in terms of how to manage things, how to effectively communicate, how to be a leader, how to handle relationships, that's not a long time to really develop a lot of those personal skills and expect them to be very proficient at them like in an instant. Yep. So I I think I think my answer is probably Going back to my original point, that like I'm not an expert at this and there's probably a million different things that we could go down the rabbit hole in terms of what really is the root cause of a lot of these issues. Um, but I think ultimately, what can we do? And I think it's making sure we create safe and healthy spaces for these conversations to happen. Not there to be repercussions, teach them how to handle these things. And then for the people who are around them all the time, like their coaching staff, basically how you handle conflict is going to be a really good indicator how they handle conflict. Yep. So if you blow up, they blow up. And there's a lot of kind of mirrors and windows that you need to, to see with that, to give you a good glimpse of, you know, if you, how, how student athlete generally will handle these things.
0: Yep. I, uh, I appreciate the, insight i'm not an expert either but you know i like to to broach those topics every once in a while just to keep things yeah. just to keep things fresh here um what do you think when we're thinking about student athlete development we're thinking about pillars we're thinking about the way that the field has you know evolved from when it started from the life skills era up to where we're at now what do you think is the single most important thing when building a program when facilitating programs what's kind of the the it factor for student athlete development
1: yeah long pause so (laughs) (laughs) i think trying to be as honest and transparent as i can with this I think it's really, really important for you to do your vetting. So before you get into the planning phase, so I'm a project management nerd. I'm trying to really learn a lot about that because to be honest, our job is a lot of that, a lot of just managing projects. Yep. And a recent kind of module and learning study I did through LinkedIn, you know, the, the expert was sharing that a lot of people, their first step, they want it to be planning. And what they skip is the vetting. Mm. which is like all the different places. Basically, you need to figure out, is this something that we should even do in the first place? Yep. Right. Yep. So the vetting piece, I think, is really important because you go do a lot of planning and execution, you find out a lot of things don't work. Well, maybe they were never destined to even work. Maybe they were never to be important in the first place. You didn't yep. properly vet these things. So the vetting stage, I think, is really important. So the vetting stage for me would be, What is a priority for your athletic department, aka your leader, your athletic director? What is the pillars within the strategic plan that you can point out to say, okay, our student athlete experience needs to be involved with this? And this is how I can connect the dots. And here's how we're going, right? So I think the vetting stage really figures out what's going on in your department, then ripple it out. So what about on the institution level? What connections can I make to that? Because when ultimately you're designing creating a building a framework for a student development plan it has to be unique to your situation at your institution again it's not a copy paste leak there's a lot of departments out there that probably had the pyramid like i mentioned before but what's built in within the pyramid is going to be what syracuse needs right and if i were able to go to another institution i'm going to do the exact same thing again what does X school need? What does Y school need? Right? I can probably fit it in that framework, but what's going to be our takeaways, our outcomes? What, you know, you could go, you can be at one institution where they say career development is the creme de la creme. Like that is the one thing we need to focus on. And then you can go to your next institution and it could be like, we are all about leadership. And the institution really handles the career stuff. So the focus really changes, you know, and then if, go deeper into like what do your coaches need what are your student athletes telling you going into a sack going into a lot of different things to kind of gain their feedback like go through the right vetting stages of figuring out what's going to be important what's not as important and then build from there like what's the what's the one quote you know I'm a big quote person I got a whole board full of them over here but if everything's if everything is important nothing is mm. so you've got to be really Stronghold on what are your non-negotiables and what is really important start there right and then get really good at that are your skills as a professional or competencies as a professional match what your institution expectations are if not how do you make up the gaps is it up to you to do it is it up to you to find the SMEs, subject matter experts out there to fill in the gaps those are things that you you'll get to once you get to the planning phase. But I would say, don't skip the vetting. That's that's too important for you to figure out. Is it important? Is it not important? If so, what's the priority within them? Is this something I need to start right now? Is this something I need to start after I'm going for a little bit? I think those are the uh, important steps to take first.
0: Not surprising that that is one of the more overlooked aspects of of project management. I think. Uh, In student athlete development, maybe in student affairs in general, I think, you know, we have a tendency to be like, well, this would have been helpful for me. So this is what we're we're going to do instead of, you know, let's let's look at the the student athlete population now, the experiences that they've had. What do they feel like the gaps? That's yeah. Betting is is huge. I like that. I like that. Okay, so we've talked a little bit about what's going on at, at Syracuse to date what is the next big thing that you can or are willing to share that's, that's happening at Syracuse?
1: (laughs) Yeah. So back in August, we had, uh, we were lucky enough to receive a very generous gift to hire a career development coordinator uh, within our office. So with that, we expect to see a really big push and growth in that space for us. So building out a brand new career development framework for us and what that looks like developing an in-house internship program. So student athletes who want to learn more about college athletics is developing a, you know, an in-house experience for student athletes in here, but it's not even college athletics. So if, if you're a student athlete and you want to go into law, why don't you connect with compliance for a little bit? If you want to get into marketing, work with marketing. It doesn't have to be sports. It's just learning like how these things work. And, and utilizing the people that they see all the time. So I think those internal internship programs can be something that can be scaled no matter where you are to give student athletes space and also just build relationships with them beyond just their athletic side. Uh, so I like that aspect of it as well. Uh, we just finished our pilot year with our intro to leadership per se, uh, leadership course that we had this year. I definitely foresee that growing in the future um, possibly we have like a leadership 100 and now maybe a 300 level type course and continue to build that. We had really good feedback from our coaches and student athletes on that side. So I'd love to see that continue to grow and evolve. The other thing that we're trying to do, and we're trying to see this on a global scale, you've seen in college athletics, uh, for those of us who've been paying attention to the news about this. Financial incentive now that student athletes are getting it's I think the number is around $6,000 pretty close to $6,000 that student athletes can earn depending on what institution you're at but a lot of institutions want to put a nexus like an academic or life skill something kind of nexus for you to basically earn that so I think for us we're going to get creative in terms of how we can set things up so whether it's more financial education around that topic uh, just getting more student athletes can familiar and utilizing our resources will be important. Our first year experience is going to be a lot different. Uh, So we're gonna develop that used to be workshop based. We're gonna try to turn it into a classroom based uh, scenario so we can do a lot more um, intentional learning with them. But ultimately uh, I was, we're always in that phase two now that we're getting close to April is what's working, what's not working. You know, we just talked about what's going on on your campus, be unique in terms of the framework and things that you built. But you mentioned it after, you know, I finished summarizing. My answer was, man, your program's going to evolve and adapt and change so fast. So even something that's been working for the last three or four years may need a complete overhaul based on what the current climate is. So whether it's NIL, whether it's... Personal branding, like whatever the topic might be, you might just say, listen, we only dedicated this amount of space to it. Now we need to do way more stuff to it, or vice versa. You know, maybe things that used to be really important aren't as important anymore. You're not getting the turnout you used to get, but they're very interested in this. Like, let's just do a really basic, easy uh, example financial literacy with freshmen, budgeting, saving, credit. You meet with that group this year. What's the number one thing you want to learn about? Crypto. Crypto. Teach me about digital currency. I want to learn how. Like, okay, let's talk about it. Like, that's what your customers want. Then you have to touch on it. So never would have talked about crypto two years ago, but here we are, right? Right. So I think those are just the small little things that you can move and adapt. It's not that you have to overall everything, but weave it in there, right? Right. So, if a student athlete's getting a little extra money, maybe teaching them to invest in it. Maybe not put the entire amount into crypto. Teach them about diversifying. Why it's important not to put everything into one basket, multiple baskets, right? So, I think that's something like a very simple, easy example for me to touch on is just that specific area. So, uh, you know, the career part is really important for us. I'm pushing super, super hard to get a postgraduate internship program going. Uh, You know, I just think it's the growth and the expectations that they want out of our office here continue to grow. And so getting more bodies in here to help us grow that. But also, I'd love it to be almost like a feeder system where come here for a year, we're going to develop you and help you get into a full-time role when you finish, right? So it's, I'd love to be, you know, Syracuse be known for a place where You know, come here after you finish we will help you for a year develop a lot of those key skills so you are fully prepared to take on that full time role when you're finished.
0: When you look at the events that you have and I heard you say there's a few kind of classroom based I'm assuming for credit um, opportunities that you have going on. How do you, for the rest of the programming that's maybe not credit based, how do you recruit student athletes to come? Is it more of a mandatory um style program? Are there optional pieces to it? What does that look like?
1: Yeah, so the optional ones, what we try to do is make the make things as targeted as possible. So whether it's you know really targeting international student athletes, like so instead of just having an open, internship search you know anybody come make make it just for international student athletes in terms of how they would use visas and things like that so you have a very targeted audience we usually get some pretty we get better you know traffic when it comes to doing things like that now the freshman experience is mandatory we try to do one mandatory type professional development event for each class of sophomore junior senior we try to break them up into their Uh, in season out of season so if you have to have a mandatory program we'll hit you in your off season and then the optional ones will be in your in season so we try to make it as you know conducive to what their environment is as much as possible Uh, I think the other thing to do is especially on the workshop side is if you really need to great but really try you know I found a lot of and this is the heart. I think this is one of the hardest parts of the job because just people that I get a chance to talk to can uh, consistently is being able to show up during practices, walk the halls, hang out in the cafeteria space. You know, if you have a chance to travel with the team, just hanging out in the bus, the airports with them, like so much more productive to just sit down and hang out with them. And that's what leads them into the doors and have those like really great one-on-one conversations with them to really find out who they are, what they're interested in, what they want to do. It's it's good to put things out there for anyone to attend if they want to. And it's good to consistently do those things, but don't over-schedule yourself to a point where you can't leave your desk during the day. Mm. And I've seen so many people feel like, oh, I can't, I got to do this. I got to do this. I'm making this, I'm doing that. And, you know, you're showing up to these workshops and maybe they're coming, but you don't even know their names. Right. And so I, I think that's just, it's really, really difficult. And depending on your capacity as, as an employee and all the stuff that's on your plate, put it on your calendar, right? If, if you're an Outlook like, follower like me, where I will follow what's on the Outlook, I put it in there, practice slot one, practice slot two, practice slot three. And I just say, like, it's just as important for me to go to this as it is to attend a you know, internal staff meeting. So and and making sure that you convey that message up the pipeline, whoever your succession is in terms of recording is just say, listen, like, if we want to have transformation in these spaces, it can't be transactional. Yep. And that that's kind of the big point is you have so many things you want to do with student-athletes. I'd be the first to admit that even, even those who are really engaged in our programming probably only get half of what I really wish I could give them because they just don't have the time. I get that. So just focus on when people do come and, and when they are able to attend is make it make it special in a way where it doesn't feel like school. It doesn't feel like something they've already done. Uh, the number one—I'll give you a kind of a glimpse into our leadership class. The number one thing, in terms of strongly agreed, right when they filled out their class evaluation form, the number one thing they enjoyed from class was discussion.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right, all of the things that we put out there—the modules, designing, all these different things that we did, assessments, like just just sitting in class and talking to each other. That was the number one thing they liked. So when you're designing and putting things together, make sure a focal point of whatever you're doing, make sure they talk to each other. That's that to me has been one of the greatest things. And, and what, if you work with SAC, that'll probably be the number one thing that they'll say. What's your favorite thing about SAC? Oh, I got to meet other student athletes. Yep. All right. Use that to your advantage. Right. Yep. So I, that's the kind of thing that you, for me as byproduct of what we're doing is help create a really cool culture where student athletes feel heard and valued and supported and part of that is having them interact with each other so they can share stories and what they're doing and how they're doing them Um, that's really important for me
0: yeah absolutely i love that create those connection points i love it all right last question uh if you could turn back the dial Talk to your 18-year-old self. So we've talked about the power of the journey, right? So if you could turn it back, talk to your 18-year-old self, what might you say?
1: Get a mentor.
0: Get a mentor. Straight up. I like it.
1: 100%. It just, (laughs) I had had good coaches. I I have great parents, um, great family. I got two older half-brothers, an older sister. But... I feel like I needed that arm's length person, like I needed someone who was a truth teller to me that wasn't as emotionally invested into me, who can just tell me the truth. And I wish I wouldn't change anything. So talking about power of the journey, right? I appreciate my journey mm-hmm. because it led me to where I am today, talking to Taylor Onion, but there would be a time where I would look back and just say, surround yourself with people and it's not necessarily careers that they have, but just look around you. Who's living a life that you just feel, man, they just look like they're happy, they're fulfilled, they're passionate about what they do. There's a purpose to what they're doing. They could be a barista at Starbucks. They could be a CEO of a fortune. I don't care what their job is, but maybe it's just different roles you see. If you just want to be super passionate and successful in your job, find a mentor for that. If you see yourself as someone who wants to be a great dad, a great mom, find someone who's really good at that, right? And just have these people just be at your table. And if you don't have a table, build one, like just ask people to be a part of your life in a way and just frankly that probably be the way I would set it up hey I appreciate you I see what you're doing I have a lot of gratitude for like what you are who you are how you go about things and I would love for you to just be a part of my life so I can talk to you and just have some really honest conversation about where I'm going why I'm doing it how I'm doing it not that you need to tell not not what mentors like tell you what to do, air quoting here, but it's just someone to soundboard with. But ultimately, as a mentor, you have to allow that mentee to make the decision. They have to own it. I will help you discover options, but you have to own it. And then eventually, these mentors for you become advocates, right? So they've been along with you for a while. So when you start getting into the prime of your working career, now not only do you have mentors, but now you have advocates who are speaking about you to other people when you're not in the room. And if you've worked in college athletics for a hot cup of tea or you've been here for 30 years, you understand the power of when people talk about you when you're not in the room. Mm-hmm. Right? That that's like the networking 101, right? It's not about who do you know, but who knows you. Yeah. And who's speaking about you, right? That's just. That's like, that's the stuff at 18 where I needed to know that. Yeah. Um, I thought, I don't know what I was thinking at 18. It was basically (laughs) go to the school that your parents went to get good grades, find a job, like find, You know, I just, I just didn't have the vision that I wish I had. Um, But I'm really happy for where I am now. Wouldn't change that. But like you said, you can always go back and make things a little better right um but <laughs>
0: take the yeah. take the lessons from the the you now right and and be able to apply oh, yeah like, like
1: that. that's it. it's like man what would i what would i wish for 18 to meet the 37 year old mark trumbo that would have been really cool <laughs> right
0: um <laughs> well, a little trippy
1: but really cool <laughs> yeah <laughs>
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. I like it. Well, Mark, thank you so much for for taking the time for joining us today. It's awesome, per usual, to catch up with you and and talk about all the great things that are that are happening at Syracuse right now.
1: Yeah, thank you. It's it's been fun. I love to uh, be a part of these and talking to you. You always do such a great job with these, so you make it nice and easy for us to just chat.
0: Thank you, I appreciate that. If you enjoyed our conversation today, please let us know. You can like and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can check back in next week as we interview another industry leader. And don't forget, your journey
1: has power.